0: What is up, EWU crew? Today, we're covering five solved missing person cases with unexpected twists. Let's get right into it. Number five, Wade Steffi. On January 13th, 2007, Wade Steffi seemed to vanish into thin air. He was a freshman attending Purdue University the year he went missing. After the designated three-day weekend honoring the birthday of Martin Luther King Jr., he was nowhere to be found. His friends realized that they could not find him within the hall of 700 other students and quickly became alarmed concerning the whereabouts of their friend. They reported him missing, and the search began to find Wade, who had seemed to disappear without a second thought, nor a trace left behind. Searches with teams and dogs were conducted to try and find Wade, but no evidence turned up. His family and friends were alarmed as Wade was thought to have no reason to run away. Wade was last seen leaving a fraternity party at the north side of campus. His last phone call was a call to his friends, asking to pick up his jacket. The runaway or kidnapping seemed abrupt especially since no one seemed to know anything about his disappearance. The 19-year-old young man was nowhere to be found, and the searches seemed hopeless, especially with a lack of evidence pushing the case forward. The leading theory was that Wade was maliciously murdered or kidnapped while leaving the party on campus, and his body had been hidden away. But no true evidence pinpointed any specific leads or suspects they could investigate further into. It seemed useless. Wade seemed so gone that there was no possible way they could find him. That is, until a strange pinging noise was heard in a high-voltage utility closet two months after Wade Steffi was reported missing. The unnamed maintenance worker went to check the room, and, to her surprise, she found much more than simple cords and flashing lights. There, in the utility closet of the Owen Hall, she found Wade Steffi's body, one that had been hidden away for more than two months before being found. Wade's body was described as being slumped over the machinery in the utility closet, He was surrounded by dangerous, high-voltage equipment that had not been investigated during the search due to the risk imposed by the machinery. The room and Wade went untouched until the maintenance worker found him. According to the interview that Fox News did with Wade's father, Dale Steffi, the way the coroner described it to us, he would have been groping around behind one of those Transformers. "'looking for a light switch once he got locked inside the room,' Dale Steffi said. "'Somehow, he managed to get his finger into the one spot "'where he created an arc between the wire and the transformer. "'It would have been instantaneous.' "'Now that the case was settled, "'Wade's parents were allowed their time to grieve with the confirmation "'that Wade Steffi was dead. "'Wade's case is now finally closed.' though so many still question how he entered the room through two locked-door security measures, and why. It may forever remain a mystery. Number 4. George Carroll In 1961, George Carroll went missing. He was a father of four at the time, and married to a woman named Dorothy. Dorothy. His children were all under the age of 10. There was Patricia, Jean, Stephen, and Michael. He was a war veteran from the Korean War and had set to live out his life in a small cottage with his family. But one day, George went missing without a trace. Dorothy lied to her children, telling them that George walked out on their family. In reality, she had no idea where her husband was either. She assumed George was sick of living the family life and left them while he pursued a more wild and lively lifestyle. Because of this conclusion, a missing persons report was never filed for George. Dorothy remarried to Richard Duress, a man that moved close to their home years after George's strange disappearance. They had one son together before divorcing in the early 1980s. Years after George's miraculous disappearance, his son Michael purchased his childhood home and made many bold conquests and changes to make it more modern. The street in which they lived filled with new homes, and the story of George Carroll was forgotten or dismissed by most, as people still assumed that George just up and left his family. But Michael was not so sure. From the moment his mother told him that George had left, Michael realized that there could be a much darker side to the story. He was confused on exactly how, but he had his suspicions. His main theory had to do with the basement of the home, as he heard stories about strange occurrences in the basement, and overall just had a very bad feeling when it came to the ground floor. Michael called a psychic and some paranormal investigators to see if they could find anything concerning about the basement or about the energy the house held. And the readings told Michael that there was a certain energy six feet below the basement of his home. So, Michael started digging. He was determined to see what exactly was in the home and why it felt so off to live there. He dug into the floor of the basement after penetrating the concrete, desperate to see what was truly hidden under the rubber and dirt that made up the bottom floor of his home. The project was lengthy and exhausting, but Michael wasn't discouraged, even despite the concern that it could upset the foundation of the home. Michael also suffered a stroke during the project, but he had his two sons continue it because... He was so passionate about it. In the end, Michael's suspicion was confirmed. The two sons found something very, very dark under the floor that day. The two sons retrieved a well-preserved skeleton from under the dirt and rubble on October 30th, and Michael immediately knew it was his father. In an interview done by the Washington Post, Michael says, I felt total peace. I felt vindicated for my dad. I felt like he was dancing in heaven. Even if the body discovery solves one mystery, it raises many more questions. The body was announced to officially belong to veteran George Carroll, but it was also announced that he was murdered. Specifically, he is believed to be murdered from blunt force trauma to the head. A suspect was never found for this homicide, and the mystery still lingers about who exactly killed George Carroll in 1961. Number three. William Briscoe, Philip Pompey, Matthew Henrich, Kimberly Barnes, and John Simmons. Ten teenagers split up. One group was fine. The other was missing. On July fourteenth, 1979, five teenagers disappeared after taking off in a van for California. The five got into an argument with their other friends about whether they should go to California, and neither group won the argument that day. The other five kids were dropped off at a nearby location before William, Philip, Matthew, Kimberly, and John continued driving. They were never seen again. The missing persons reports slowly flew in, one by one, person by person. All five members of the carefree group were nowhere to be found, and it baffled their friends and family. The teens in the group were very carefree, so it was no surprise they wanted to head out on a trip to California. They wanted to travel coast to coast in their golden 1976 Dodge van. But five of them refused because of the risk and the fear that involved going that far away while being as young as 16. After they decided who was going and who was not, they took off to sunny skies and luxury. Or at least, that's what some people thought when the five were never seen again. At the time of their disappearance, William was 18, Philip was 19, Matthew was 18, Kimberly was 16, and John was 18. The carefree group was not afraid to take risks, so many people assumed they actually made it to California and decided to stay there. But there was a much darker theory as well. Some say that they were murdered or kidnapped or the car was hijacked during their drive. The idea that they could simply vanish was unbelievable, and no one knew what to think of it. One day, a fisherman's reel hooked onto something much bigger than any fish in a canal west of Boca Raton. On February twenty-second, 1997, around 18 years after the teens all went missing, a golden... Rusty 1976 Dodge Van was hauled up from the canal. The van was decrepit and full of mud and algae, but an investigation was done immediately to see why exactly the mysterious van was unearthed in the canal. There were beer bottles found in the van, along with two drenched wallets, bits of jewelry, and a license of one of the missing teens, There was also a mass of bones and teeth found in the wreckage, which were quickly sent to a forensic anthropologist. The forensic anthropologist confirmed that the bones in the wreckage were indeed the remains of the group of teens that tried to take off to California that day. In an interview with Paul Miller, the sheriff's spokesman, he said, There is indication that there was drinking going on. Back in 1979, this was a dark and desolate road near a canal. There was no foul play suspected in the deaths of the group, and the discovery finally allowed family members to grieve, knowing what truly happened to the teens. The prevailing theory is the teens went back to get the other five kids, but instead they spiraled off the road, landed in the canal, and died there. Number 2. Mariessa Weber On October 28, 2006, 38-year-old Mariessa Weber came home to greet her mother in their shared home. They were living in Florida with the rest of their family at the time. After she greeted her mother that fateful day, she was never seen again. A missing persons report was filed on Mariessa not too long after her disappearance. The searches started immediately, everyone asking the question: "Where could she have gone?" And "Why did she leave? These questions especially floated around Connie Weber’s head, the mother of Mariessa Weber. There were searches for the woman, but she was never found. Mariessa had simply said hello to her mother and disappeared right after. How did she vanish without a trace? Where could she have possibly gone? Most people assumed she was kidnapped or murdered. Some even accused her family, who were just as confused as everyone else. One of the first places the family checked was around the house, but they ultimately found nothing. However, they did notice a strange odor in the home in the days following Mariessa's disappearance. Mariessa Weber was missing for about 2 weeks before she was found in a very unsettling and sickening location. Mariessa's sister crept into her room late one night and noticed a foot sticking out from behind the bookcase. From there, she found Mariessa lodged in the back of the bookcase, upside down and crushed between the wall and the case itself. Authorities believed that Mariessa was trying to plug in a television, and the plug was behind the shelf. So she leaned over the case and fell in headfirst. Unable to call for help because of her compromised situation, Mariessa died from oxygen loss and suffocation, due to being hung upside down for so long. Mariessa was 5 foot three and barely 100 pounds. So the bookcase could easily swallow her whole. Connie Weber said I'm sleeping in the same house as her for eleven days, looking for her, and she's right in the bedroom. Mariessa's death was truly tragic and a horrifying way to go out. Number one Larry Ellie Mario Mancada The last time. Larry Ellie Mario Mancata was seen was on November 28, 2009. Working as a supermarket employee in Council Bluffs, Iowa, he raced out of his family home on that frigid day during a snowstorm, fearing for his life. Larry was your average young man, living with his parents in Iowa with a job at a supermarket. After one Thanksgiving shift, His mother said that Larry's mental health began to rapidly decline. She took him to the doctor, where he was prescribed antidepressants, but his condition only grew worse when he started to hear voices in his head and develop extreme paranoia concerning his surroundings and the people around him. His mother said that Larry began to hallucinate and thought people were coming to get him. He was afraid for his life, And that is what caused him to run out that day. He ran out into a blizzard without shoes nor socks, only wearing a sweatshirt and sweatpants. Unfortunately, Larry never came home and was never seen again. A missing persons report was filed for Larry, his family concerned for his well-being due to his deteriorating mental health. A decade went by searching before the case went cold, and Larry was unable to be found. That is, until he was. The grocery store Larry had worked in, No Frills Supermarkets, was vacant during the decade that Larry went missing. Contractors were called to move shelving units and coolers from the store, only to find a shocking and horrifying discovery. The contractors found Larry's decaying body wedged between the cooler and the walls. An investigation team confirmed it was Larry. Authorities believe that Larry tried to crawl up into the storage unit above the cooler, but instead he fell into the crevice between the wall and the cooler. He was wedged there and unable to call for help because of how loud the cooler was. He died alone and freezing. Larry did not have a shift that day, According to his employer, what are your thoughts on these cases, Iwoo Crew? Let us know in the comments down below. If you enjoyed this video, be sure to hit the like button and subscribe. A playlist is going to pop up right now with more videos you'll love. See you guys next time.